0: Hello and welcome to Monocorn Perspectives. I am your host, Phoebe Phillips of polyamoring.blog. If you are looking for the podcast formerly known as Polyamoring Podcast, it's gone through a bit of a transition. And to understand why that was, you should go back one episode, uh, listen to the 10 minute preview episode for this season, and it will explain to you what happened. So, This is part one of Should I Stay or Should I Go? Uh, That is the topic that came up first in the monocorn sanctuary for our monthly video chats that I am taking the audio from and turning into a podcast. Um, In this episode, I chat with two members of the group, Anton and Carissa, uh, who each have had their own struggles with figuring out whether being in a relationship with a non-monogamous person was going to be right for them. Uh, For more resources for folks in mono plus poly relationships, you can check out my new website at monocorns.com. I am going to be launching a new coaching program for people in this situation, uh, but I've also got a resources page on there and a couple of articles that can help you get started plus links to the various Facebook groups that you can find some support in. And of course, you can always find my full blog at polyamoring.blog. So we're going to move forward quickly here. I've got Anton and Carissa up here. And in part two, you will hear from Patrick and Jenna. Enjoy. Okay. Hello. Uh, wave Hi. So this is Monocorn Perspectives. It's the first time we're doing this. Uh, It's mostly a conversation. Today's theme is, should I stay or should I go? And I'm gonna talk to two people who were in relationships or one is in a relationship, one no longer, uh, with a non-monogamous person and how they came to the decision whether they were gonna try to work it out or if it just wasn't for them because it's something that comes up a lot in the Monocorn Sanctuary group. And I think it's a a topic that people wanna listen more, learn more about. So Anton and Carissa, thank you for being the first to do this with me. <laughs> Welcome. Okay. Um, so let's just start with um, an introduction. Tell me about your relationship and like where, where it went in a, in a short and quick summary. Um, why don't we start with Anton?
1: Um, so we met a little over three and a half years ago. And uh, it was a very strong connection, strong relationship right off the bat. Um, she identified as relationship anarchist. Um, sometimes I use the word, we have used the word poly just as a term of convenience. But she's not poly. She's a relationship anarchist. I was, I was monogamous. Um, we got to the quarantine and some issues, some stressors or challenges that we'd had kind of, I think, uh, were were magnified or focused. And so we ended up having a break um, during the quarantine. And that was hard for us both. Um, and I'll probably talk more about that as we get into this, but um, we've been sort of together and independent at the same time since then
0: mm-hmm. and
1: working through stuff.
0: And do you live together? No. Okay. Um, but there's there's some, someone has someone has a kid?
1: Yeah, she has kids. Okay. And and I'm now them. very close to the kids.
0: You are um, close.
1: Yeah, so part of what's I think a little bit complicating is and and I I think we both see as a good thing is that Um, we sort of share families in the sense that I don't have kids and never wanted kids, but I'm very close to her kids. And that's become a very strong relationship that she and I are both interested in continuing. My extended family, she's very close to and feels like her extended family. And so we sort of like share families while we're going through this and neither of us have any interest in that changing. So yeah, that's also another component.
0: So we will, we will circle back around, but I want to give Carissa a chance to introduce
2: herself. Um, I'm Carissa and I was in a relationship um, starting in 2015 and we were both divorced, um, had previous relationships prior. Both of us have kids. Um, mine are older than, than his kids are. Um, and, you know, things seem to be going very well. As Anton said, the connection was unlike any that I had had in the past. Um, And we had talked long-term retirement, you know, lifetime planning. And in the fall last year, things, not quite five years in, things got a little weird and um, not quite sure what propagated that or perpetuated that at the start. Um, He did say, um, after the fact, or subsequently, that he made some unilateral decisions without um, taking my input into consideration. Um, but we kind of had a break from December to January, and then in January, we got together for dinner and at a restaurant, and he poly bombed me, um, mm. And that was something that I was, I I would, you know, I would think it would be obvious. I I wasn't expecting that because it was up until that point, it had been a monogamous, monoamorous relationship between the two of us. And I didn't have a good understanding what polyamory was. I had an idea, but I didn't know, you know, the vast amount of variety that's a possibility, and I had no idea what he was meaning um, when he said that he wanted to explore polyamorous relationships. So we took a break for several weeks. We got back together. Um, He was apologetic for how he handled things, and I appreciated that very much um, because he did just kind of disappear and go radio silent for a while, Mm -hmm. and um, he had a a rough time. I had a rough time. Both of us wanted the other in in our lives. And um, I told him that I was interested in seeing if we could come to some sort of arrangement agreement, but I was not willing to do that if we were not involved with the couples counselor. Um, so he was a little hesitant to that because he said, I don't even know what the questions are. So how is a counselor going to help? And I said, well, you know, a good counselor will hopefully outline those questions for us and and give us (laughs) perspective (laughs) so we did that and he never he always told me that he wasn't giving me an ultimatum and in the end that's kind of what happened um and he summarized with it's not a question of when it will happen it's a question of if it will happen and at that point I was like I can't do this. Okay. I ended
0: Yeah, so um, so those are two obviously very, you know, different experiences. Both of you struggled and, and I as well have in the past struggled with this. Um, the, the relationship that I'm in right now is not my first attempt at dating somebody polyamorous. Um, it's more like my third or fourth, and this is the one that stuck, but in all of the previous versions and sometimes in this one. Um, that question has come up, where I've asked myself: Is this thing that I'm going through right now is is this worth it? Do I do I need to do I need to let go, or do I want to push through? Um, so I'm curious when what what you're willing to share about what kind of brought those questions up for each of you. Um, I guess we'll go back to Anton. We'll go back and forth.
1: Sure. You know, I I think in my experience. So I didn't know, I didn't know that my partner was, again, I'll use the term poly just out of convenience. Right. I didn't know that they were poly going into it, but um, our very first date, she took me to a meetup of a poly group that was talking about breakups. And, and I was sort of like, well, this is interesting. I'm like <laughs> curious about this or whatever, but I sort of, there's also part of me is like, are you trying to tell me something here? Like, <laughs> did she um, know that
0: was the topic?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's and interesting. she brought it up. She just brought it up as like, like, oh, there happens to be this meetup on this, and I'm curious about it. Do you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, sure, that sounds interesting. <laughs> um, that's awesome. <laughs> so, so you know, and, I, and that's part of an example of what works for us is like, you know, we're interested in stuff like that, mm-hmm. but there's also.
0: Oh Oh, no. We've lost Anton. um, There he comes back.
1: (laughs) Sorry. I'm back. But she, she, part of what has also worked is that she was honest about herself and her needs and interests from the outset, which for me, I really appreciated because I felt like like I had a choice in it
0: Mm. from
1: the beginning, even if I didn't know what it was. And it was an incredibly steep learning curve. In some ways it still is, but on many levels because she's also queer and I'd never learned about, I didn't know about white privilege and like there's just a whole lot of things that suddenly over the next 18 months was a really steep learning curve. But I think to um, a point that I that I think is common to all, I, this is what I think now is that there's struggles in all relationships, whether it's monogamous or not. And there's, there's a tension between, this is what I've struggled with. There's a tension between sort of like what you want and what you think you either have to do to get it or the way things are. And, and I was in a monogamous um, ten year marriage prior to this. And, and I realized, you know, I had the same issues in that, or very similar issues in that, that I did in in working through this relationship, and it just happens to be different. So I think um, for me, I, a lot of what I've ended up focusing on is trying to understand sort of what is what is similar between all these different things, these different kinds of relationships, because we all, everybody struggles. Yeah. So what what's the common theme, and what can I do about that? And and generally speaking, I've found that oftentimes it's things that I'm bringing to my own experience in the relationship that is the common element, versus, but it, it's easy to project that out onto other
2: mm-hmm. other
1: people. And sometimes it is the other person, you know, like I think yeah. being polybombed has to, <laughs> that has to suck. That's, you know, yeah, that's like that part bad. of it is. Yeah, that part of it's really hard, I think.
0: I think I'm only gonna end up having a whole one of these on that whole concept. Because <laughs> I've never no. experienced that. I've always known up front that the person I'm dating is polyamorous or non-monogamous. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah so it sounds like uh, you sort of recognize that the it's something that is commonly said, that polyamory kind of brings to the surface the things that mon- monogamous and monoamorous relationships also had. But the the mono relationships tend to make it easy to not talk about it, you know, kind of just like, well, this is just the way it is. Where in a, in, a, in a non-monogamous relationship, these things have to be discussed. Like you, you, it won't work unless you really work through it. Um, so it sounds like you came to some sort of, you know, issues that were there before are still here. So it's not that different.
1: Yeah, and, and I would say, this is my experience, but I think I can, it's somewhat generalizable is that monogamy, we're all culturally informed on what that is and what it should look like and all that stuff. And I think that it it sort of provides us a, an assumed set of like skills or agreements or ways of things that things should be that covers for any lack of skills or awareness that one or both people in the relationship might have. Mm-hmm. So because we just assume, oh, you're monogamous, I'm monogamous, then it should look like this. You don't actually end up talking about it. And if you don't have the skills around talking about it or the awareness, then you still both kind of do it. And it's sort of... It's like a it helps the relationship work, sort of. Um, but with Polly, some of that stuff suddenly is just out there and you have to deal with it and suddenly you're you realize, oh crap, I don't I don't have a you know a skill for self self-soothing myself in this moment when I'm kind of emotionally escalated or whatever and I don't know how to right. do XYZ or something. Um but to me the the takeaway's always been was in recognizing that, that deficit for me or whatever existed in both cases. It's just that we had both sort of assumed and never thought about it and just followed a, a thing and that kind of covered for it.
0: Yep, exactly. And so Carissa, for you, you had a different experience for, for you. The, the end result was not, not going to keep us going. So what were the things that came up right. for you that brought um, you there?
2: You know, in theory, polyamory makes a lot of sense to me. It, I mean, I've, I'm an intelligent person. I'm well-educated. I am a, I, I mean, that's what I do when I, when I, I'm a nurse. So research is a big thing for me. Um, so I want to know, I want all the information or as much information to help me process and help me understand. And as I said, the theory of polyamory makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah. And in my gut, it came down to He wanted another relationship or other relationships that were similar in nature to the romantic sexual relationship that we had. And for me, that, the way I frame it, because it's who I am, it came as you're an option. And on Friday night, I may pick Carissa as my option, but I might be in the mood for Susie as my option. And I, I couldn't get on board with that. And the, I got to the point where I lost 30 pounds in eight weeks. I went on anti-anxiety medication. Um, I had horrible sleep issues. I had problems focusing at work, enough so that I let some of my coworkers that I work closely with, um, our jobs are very intertwined. So whatever they're doing, and whatever I'm doing affect the other person Mm -hmm. so but I was that I was so affected that I let some of my close work co-workers know I'm going through some really crappy times right now and I want you to be aware of that because it's out of character for me and I don't want you to think what the heck is going on and how is she you know being derelict on her duties associated with her job um so you know when it came to that and then when he phrased it as i think i mentioned earlier it's not if it will happen it's it's going to happen i felt like i was in a minefield every day and i just felt like i was going to get a big whammy any moment at any time of any day and i couldn't deal with that anxiety
0: yeah it doesn't sound like he was very considerate of your processing no, um, and, at all.
2: And I won't, but I won't say that because, you know, I think he made an effort. Um, but you know, he was—he told me that he didn't feel that he was part of the process. But understanding me, understanding it wasn't his process; it was my process. Mm-hmm. And I told him that you know I think about it all the time, like when I shouldn't be thinking about it. And I should be thinking about work or my family or going to the grocery or whatever. You know, I was thinking about it all the time. And he said, well, I don't ever think about it. And I'm like, you're painting it as you're being very ethical and, and very moral about the situation. But in action, to me, it's not coming across that way. It's you saying, this is what I want or need. And, in the end, it was pretty much if you're on board with it, then we can continue our relationship as is or similarly. Mm-hmm. But if not, then it's not going to work. And yeah. I directly asked him that a couple times. And he, he denied that he was putting that out there. But as we went through the months of counseling, um, it became more and more apparent to me that that's yeah. what he was putting out there.
0: I think in the learning curve of polyamory, what you described when um, you're talking about kind of like how it was affecting your sleeping patterns and you know the anxiety levels and your work performance. And as you were saying that, it just brought up every time that happened for me in those first three attempts at polyamory right. that I had, it was so familiar. Um, and so the question, because now I'm in a relationship where I don't have those issues, where I'm actually very secure in this relationship, even though you know, I'm not even dealing with just one metamorph. There are three.
2: Right.
0: Um, so I'm wondering, cause you're still in the monocorn group and you, and you are, you know, you say like polyamory makes sense. Do you think that this is something you'd ever consider again with someone who maybe works more in line with how you see the ethics of polyamory?
2: I, I don't. Um, yeah. When I, after I made the decision, I, I posted in the group that, you know, i I'm done I'm out and it's you know it's the group has been very beneficial and it's been helpful and there have been some really supportive people and a couple people commented on my post and then I have made some really good friends actually some virtual friends um through the group and they're like who have all made the the same decision to leave the relationship Mm -hmm. and and we're all of an older (laughs) group I'm 50 um and then a couple of the other women that i have connected with and we still message and we still have conversations with, and, you know, we're friends on Facebook outside of the group. Um, you know, they're also in their fifties and they've said, you know, I encourage you to stay because as you'll see, people go through the same process in the same situation in the same decision making. They're presented with the same decision-making opportunities. um, and, and so I, I mean, I, it's kind of like, I wanted it to work. I really wanted it to work because I did, you know, I thought this was my life partner yeah. and you know, it might be my life partner, but I'm not spending my life. with him. <laughs> and I'm okay with that now. Um, you know, it's hindsight. has been really good because I, there are some questions about, you know, his truthfulness and, uh, a particular relationship that he was I swear I'm just friends with her I'm just friends and I found out since then that no he's not really just friends with her. Yeah. Um, and and there are some you know there's some ethics involved with that um because they work together and she's there's a huge age difference and she's going through a divorce and you know I told him take me out of the picture of that relationship you know you just you need to examine the ethics of that on its own yeah Um, yeah. but he's like there's nothing to examine there's nothing going on we're just friends and I'm like okay whatever
0: yeah it I mean it's interesting right there's there's when someone's ethics don't line up with the ethics they say they have right um you know you start to question well am I am, is it me? Like, am I doing something wrong? Am right. I like reacting to this incorrectly? Right. Um, and it, it sounds like, you know, now, and you said in hindsight, you see, no, I, I was right. Yeah. I, and for me, that's like the greatest feeling me being told you were right. Or me understanding that I was right is the best feeling in the world. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, it,
2: I mean, it's nice to, it's nice to be right in a situation, mm-hmm. but it's nice to know that you're not like, I'm not making this up. Like this is, you know, what he's presenting as reality and what is reality aren't, they're not the same, it, yeah. you know, they're, they're partially overlapping Venn diagram, but it's not the whole picture. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, s- since I stepped back and looked at that global, I, f- I feel much better um, here. Yeah. about it. Yeah.
0: And then Anton, hearing this, because um, I mean, I've been on kind of both sides of this. I've, I've been in relationships that look like Carissa's, uh, but I'm also currently in a relationship that looks a little more like yours. Um, when you hear what Carissa went through, like, how does what does that bring up for you in, in your own relationship?
1: Um, in some ways, memories, empathy. I think some of this is... is uh, it's, it's so relatable. I think it's one of the things that anybody that's in this group, you know, uh, I, I, I I notice every now and then that people say, Hey, you know, I've ended my relationship. I think I need to leave the group. And my response has always been sort of the question, why it's sort of like, once you go through this, you can't ever not have gone through it. And I think it's like, you're forever different. Right. Oh, I agree. (laughs) You know, and, and I think generally speaking, my, my guess is that for a lot of people, there is positive growth that comes out of it. Even if it doesn't work out, yeah. five years later, you're going to be like, you know, I did learn some really yeah. some important I don't know that I, I would admit away. that
2: to him ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. We're well, my know, friends here.
2: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another thought but, was, oh, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, you know, it's there's like I was self aware going in. Um, I have a daughter. She's 25. She studied gender and sexuality at Rhodes College at a little liberal arts school in Memphis. Um, you know, she is not hesitant to call anyone, including me on, you know, bias or, you know, whatever, you know, unconscious or, you know, if you're even aware of it. I mean, she just calls me on it. And so I, you know, going in, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm you know, accepting of X, Y, and Z, and, you know, I have a really diverse group of work people and friends, and, and, you know, surely we can work through this, and, and now (laughs) it just, you know, it just didn't work, but, but the self-awareness that came from the last eight months, and the insight, yeah, I mean, there, it's there's a lot of positive that came from it, and that's something yeah. that I'll take with me into future relationships. Yeah, um, and, and something so I'm, you know, thankful for that. I guess I don't know, thankful if I'm right, quite there yet. I mean, it's
0: definitely, yeah. there's an appreciation for it. Yeah.
1: And I think the other, another thought that I had in in listening to you, and even just now, it kind of underscores it, which is we talk about the importance of needing skills. And skills, I think is sort of like this, I wonder sometimes if people get a little confused about like, well, what are the skills? And it's things like listening and talking to your partner and asking for what you want and talking about boundaries and stuff like that. But I think there's, Carissa's story illustrates, you know, that a critical aspect of these skills is your own self-awareness and self-reflection that simply, you know, let's say knowing nonviolent communication Mm -hmm. and using those skills isn't going to by itself, you know, prevent this thing from blowing up in your face and causing a lot of anguish and pain and confusion and miscommunication, all that stuff. And it sounds like Carissa's partner had some thoughts about what was true for him and, and may not have fully reflected on, on what that means. And so, you know, to me, it sounds like he wasn't necessarily able to show up in ways where you could make use of something like nonviolent communication to actually really have a more productive conversation. Right. And for me, my partner has been doing this a long time. Um, She's a therapist. Like she, she was, is very skilled at a lot of that stuff which created for me a much I think more smoother transition because I the person that I was talking this through was able to actually model Mm -hmm. what it looks like to kind of do these things and to also point out here's a boundary I'm not gonna you know and I'm holding it and this is and it's sort of like you realize oh that's what that looks like right and sometimes you're Frustrated by that or whatever you have feelings. Um, and I had a therapist at the time and I had talked to my therapist about this and that that was also a, a critical part for me was just having that safe space of somebody that worked only for me cared only for me that I right. could go in and be like I am so pissed about this and it's just not fair and they're like it isn't fair <laughs> whatever and you're just like thank you that's all I needed was somebody I, just-, I just
2: need to know that I'm you know my feeling isn't wrong that's yeah. one thing that I've that I've really come become comfortable with is I have a another close friend and she's going through some relationship things on her end and it's a monogamous relationship and it's relatively new a few months old and she's like i feel this way and it's wrong that i feel this way and i'm like no you're none of the feelings that you have in any situation are wrong they are yours and they are valid and you know they might be upsetting and they might be hard to work through or hard to hold space for but they are real and if you stuff them (laughs) You're just gonna create more problems for yourself.
0: Oh true. So, in yeah. in my in my monogamous marriage, uh in, in a former life, um, that was something that my husband used to really He's like, you're, you, you, stuff down your emotions. Me, I was a person who stuffed down my, <laughs> and now I don't at all. It's like, here, have, and her. have one. I love them. And you want more? <laughs> but, but back then, because I grew up in a family that, that if something was uncomfortable, you just, you swept it under the rug. You didn't talk about it. You, you, you keep things nice and even keeled. Also a family that did not understand how boundaries worked and flat out said, we don't believe in boundaries um so you know he was always like you know, this, you're you are mad about something you're upset you never get mad at me i know that you're mad and i'm like no I'm, it's fine it's okay <laughs> i just want it all to go away so we're not fighting anymore and i didn't learn how to do that until well he he passed away i mean i never learned it with him um but until i started getting involved with with non-monogamous people who weren't as ethical as they said they were. And I started standing up for myself and started saying, no, 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 no. You said this, but you're right. doing that. It's making me feel this. And they're like, oh, you're needy. And right. it took a few rounds of this before I started to realize I'm not needy. I, I have expectations. If you don't want to meet them, then we're not a good fit. And I'm, right. real, I'm willing to let you go. And that's kind of where I, you know, in some, like, I guess in a summary, it's even as happy as my relationship is now, and we're about to celebrate our fifth anniversary. Um, there are still times when things bother me and I have to go through the process of asking myself, is this worth breaking up over? And that's not a yes or no question. It's, it's a deep no. dive into what are my needs? What's not being met? Can it be met? Does it have to be met? Is this a need or a want? There's so much that goes into understanding, like, is this a deal breaker? And ultimately, over the fa- past five years, you know, when these questions come up, the answer has been it's not a deal breaker. And now I look back on some of the things that I was asking that about, and I'm like, why was I ever concerned about that? Like, that was ne- the version of me that thought that that meant he loved me now understands that that is not how love is proven. Now, the fact that I've not met his parents, does it bother me? Yes. I wish that I could meet his parents, but they, it's not that I haven't met them because he doesn't want me to. They don't live nearby. They live in another state. They don't travel. He doesn't travel. So it just hasn't happened. Um, but if you were to have asked me six years ago, you know, would you ever be in a relationship with someone whose parents you can't meet? I would have been like, no, of course not. Because that's how you prove you love me. That's how you prove I'm legitimate So, yeah, there's, there's so much growth that happens with this and, and these questions. Um, if you're unwilling to ever ask yourself, is this relationship right for me or not? Like, if you're just always like, no matter what I'm sticking it, I'm like, this is it. I'm never leaving no matter what, then, then that's not actually very healthy. Right. You're trapping yourself in a relationship that way.
2: Yeah. Some people have asked me, how did you make the, like you, you said he's your person or you thought he was your life partner or may still be your life partner. How did you make that decision? And I said, I stepped back and looked at it from a, from a more global perspective with every day I could continue in the relationship with the unending what I am expecting to be unending pain and anxiety involved with when is this going to happen or I could end it and get through the searing pain of ending that relationship and hope for something else down the line yeah. um, and uh, I have just started communicating and my daughter my my wise daughter said it's a little early don't you think and I was like okay whatever you know you do your thing I'm doing my thing but um this past week, I spent texting with a guy who's local. Um, I met him on a on a fitness singles dating site, and he's a cyclist, and he's ten years older than me. Whereas my partner was four years younger than me, and he's sixty, so um, which isn't a big deal for me because my, my first husband is going to be sixty-two next month. So you know, the age thing isn't a, a big deal. But, you know, I was very upfront and I said, I'm coming out of a really shit time out of a relationship. And, I mean, we had some really good conversations and, you know, I said, I'm coming from a, a different place than I think most people are coming from into, you know, potential relationships. And, you know, I said... Here it is. And I, I put it all out there. And, you know, he has some things too in his past that, you know, he was like, I really appreciate this. And, and it's not something that, you know, it's not something that people offer on the regular. And I said, I don't want to, I don't want to have any I don't want to have any misunderstanding whatsoever. Um, So you know, in the first week that we and we met yesterday, and it was a good date. We had a good time. You know, he said thirty minutes because I don't like meeting new people, and he said thirty minutes, and you're off the hook. And I'm like, okay. And so two hours later, we were still having coffee and chit chatting, and it was good. It was a good day. Um, And you know, I think that was part of why it, why I let the other relationship drag on because we were such a good match outside of the polyamory, monoamory thing, um, with life philosophy and raising kids and, and future plans and political beliefs and religious and, you know, all of that. And I was like, there's not anybody else out there like that. And then, well,
0: turns, yeah, out, there are. <laughs> turns out there is, there's a lot of people out there. Yeah. Uh, so that sounds like, you know, it's actually something I love that happens when, 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 okay, it's not that I love when relationships break up, but I like when, when you leave a relationship knowing that this is a decision I've made, that's going to be better for me. Right. And you take that knowledge into the next one. And when, when this happened with a polyamory relationship or a, a polyamorous relationship or a non-monogamous relationship, um, you go with this, uh, this whole like background of I'm willing to communicate a lot. And I don't wanna play these games where we don't know what we're saying or we don't know what our intentions are. And I'm just gonna put it out there because here's my thought. I think what attracts a lot of us to people who are non-monogamous is their ability to just be so transparent and you know, when they are that type of person, uh, to talk about their feelings and to not hide um, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's engaging and it's, it's attractive to just be with someone that you know who they are. Right. Um, yeah. So we walk away from those kinds of relationships knowing ourselves a little bit better too, which helps us in the next one, whether it's non-monogamous or monogamous.
2: Yeah, I don't know that I would ever say I wish that I it hadn't happened. Um, you know, several weeks ago, if you'd asked me that, I was Maybe. still really in the angry, like just spitting nails phase. Um, and, you know, now I'm like, okay, you know, I, uh, there are definitely things from the relationship that I benefited from. And then there are definitely things from the whole investigative period of the polyamorous stuff that I benefited from. Um, you know, the the lying by omission, um, yeah. am I, th- is that upsetting? Incredibly. And does that make me go back and look at the first almost five years of our relationship and say, well, if that was true the last eight months? Was it true the first five years? Um, and that's, you know, that's something that if I hyper-focus on it, it's really disturbing, but I'm like, I can't do that. I need to put that down and leave it and move on because it doesn't, it doesn't benefit anything.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I told you I would not keep you all for very long, so any final thoughts? Any final things you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, I wanted to, I guess, share, I can relate to what Carissa has said, Mm -hmm. but I just, I think for the benefit of anybody that might be watching or listening to this, just share another way that somebody, that if you find yourself, I guess my, some of the things that I've chosen to focus on are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so, and I'm not in any way invalidating what no, Teresa and, said at all. Yeah, and, I and fully
2: I, agree. Like it works for some people. I'm not an expert on polyamorous, monoamorous relationships. I'm an expert on my relationship in that right, setting. Right, right. Right. And I mean, so, it's great if people can work it, work it out to, to what's acceptable to them.
1: Right. So for me, there's a couple things that came to mind. One was, um, like related to anxiety and stuff, my personality type apparently is one where where I get very, very determined to figure out what, I, like I just wanna know what's actually going on there. Where does that actually come from? Because I don't like the idea that somehow other people have some power over me mm-hmm. to make me feel a certain way that just doesn't, doesn't really make sense to me. Um, what makes sense is that I have some sort of experience, or response, or reaction, some story, interpretation, whatever it is. There's something within me that I've decided that I believe that whatever they're doing is triggering that. It's tapping into that, and and so that's where that's coming from. And sometimes it's it's very appropriate, right? Like if somebody, it um it it's like if you learn not that stoves can be hot, that's a good thing to learn, right? You want to be triggered by that. Right. Other times it's not you know, like if I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, what does, why does a memory of me being in seventh grade and trying to meet a group of friends and then sort of feeling like I'm being strung along and rejected by them and sort of, you know, like, like some of those things. I'm like, Mm -hmm. why does that memory is the one that actually comes to mind in this feeling of like, rejection or whatever. And that's, that's having a, an overly, it 's overly energizing my response in this moment, and that's I, I think that some of the things that I pay attention to is I realize there are times that you know your partner does something or or says something about Polly, and you just you have this really strong response, and at least for me i 've learned to recognize yeah, there are times that my response is is not it's not congruent with the moment, and so I get very determined to figure out what that is, because ultimately I want the choice and I don't feel like I'm having the choice. I'm having a response, an emotional response that is dictating for me my choice. Yeah. And it, if it gets above a certain threshold, I can, I can physically feel, I can tell like suddenly, yeah, my brain is shifting, my, my uh, prefrontal <laughs> cortex is going yeah. offline and this thing is going on autopilot, and there's like, and it almost feels like you stand and you're looking at it, and you're just like, stop saying that thing, like you know, don't just stop, and you can't do it, and that drives me absolutely bonkers. And so, for me, there, this, my experience of this has been doing a lot of work around that, and that has sort of, I think, brought forward a, another recognition that it's like. The more work that I do, the more I realize that relationships are not binary for me. There isn't an either or. It's so much more these both ands. And so the the challenge becomes navigating gray. I have two different shades of gray, and I'm trying to make a decision. And every you know everything I've been raised culturally with says, no, there's sort of like this clear, these things belong in these clear different things. And I'm like, yeah, but I just totally wiped away all of the divisions between that. Now I'm trying to figure out, well, where the hell am I? What does this mean? (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And then you look around, you're like, well, somebody else has to have dealt with this before. And it's it's gonna be really hard to find that though. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and so that part is is challenging. And like, even with us, I mean, this sort of our, our break has been been very significant, but I also realized the other day that probably 90 to 95% of our relationship are con- is is exactly the way that it was which is just absolutely fascinating to me that what can feel like a massive break is actually this really tiny percentage of the relationship and and all of the all the other aspects of it are working great and are still really strong and I should clarify that you know I I I guess what I identify as a relationship anarchist now that, that those ideas are the ones that I feel if I had to put myself in a camp would put myself in that camp. And by relationship anarchy, I am meaning, I think it's Andy Norgren's manifesto on that and not the kind of relationship anarchy where people are like, I'm gonna sleep with whoever I want and your feelings are your problem and not mine and blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's just being yes. mean. um but one of the, the the key things for me about it is is simply the idea that that you can that what we should be doing in relationships is creating what it is that we want with our partner and we should talk about that and people can consent to it and so then whatever works for you is what works for you and and i would argue that this isn't a new concept to people because we oftentimes do it with friends all of the time. Like that's literally what we do with friends. I know you in this particular sphere of life. Context, yeah. Right, and and we just do that and that's great. And that's, and we're only going to see each other once a week or once a month or whatever. Yeah. And that's great. Sometimes you're my best friend. We're going to do all this stuff all the time. And so again, that kind of combines with the grayness of like, all right, so 90 to 95% of our relationship that we're creating is great. And sometimes what we, people change as you grow and your interests change. And so then we're gonna create something different. So it, it leaves, it, it feels like you sort of get off of a beaten path for me and you don't know what the map is anymore, which highlights or really prioritizes oh, shit, I really have to know what it is that I want. Yes. And it turns out that that's, for some of us, I think that's actually a really hard question to answer. We we get really good at going through our lives, not knowing what we want, but knowing what yeah. it should look like, what works, what is acceptable, what right. blah, blah, blah. And again, for me, then, it's like I, I don't even, I don't even get to the point of asking the question, like, does this, is this something that I want to, a relationship I want to stay in or not? Because I don't, I can't even answer that question because I don't even know always what it is that I want. So then, so the, the last thing that I also do that I think Carissa, it sounds like maybe you do a little bit too, is you know, you do have to step back I think and look at the bigger picture. And so I run a lot of little, I challenge myself with little thought experiments And so I'll do things of saying like, well, suppose my partner is dead, right? Would this thing that I think really matters to me, would I still go out and do that if they didn't exist anymore? And it's really fascinating to me to find out when the answer is just like, oh no, I totally wouldn't do that. And I'm like, okay, well, that tells me something. Or there are other times I'm like, well, obviously I go do that. And it's a way of helping me figure out what I want and what really matters. Um, because the further I go the further the further into this relationship I go the the more I end up in a gray space, and that gray space is something that is of interest to me personally that I create and i'm i'm happy i'm glad that I have a partner that also is interested in that, um, even as we both sort of dance around sometimes some difficult questions of like it it can be hard to to navigate that at the same time, I guess. So.
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot of what you've said resonates so strongly with where I am on my journey. Um, I also, I guess if, if I had, I don't, I don't like to trap myself in a label anymore. It's something that used to be like a thing I did a lot and now I really don't want to. Um, But relationship anarchy and being monoamorous are not mutually exclusive. Like you can actually be both. Um, because what works for me is a relationship with a polyamorous person. Like it's, it is it is it is what I want. I It gives me the built-in space for me to do my own thing, to make sure that I don't fall back into codependent patterns that I used to fall into a lot. Um, it brought these amazing other humans into my life who are my best friends in the world. Um, like these are when, when an earthquake happens here, like that's who I check in on. I don't call my parents and be like, did you feel that? I like text all my, my metamores and my partner and be like, is everybody okay? So like that. Um, and I know that we're not alone, right? Cause I've, I've, I've run into other people who, who feel both of those things work together. So I, I see what you mean about that. And I, I love the way that you expressed it because it, it resonated very well with me. Um, both of you have, you know, at, at some point in my journey, I've been really, like, I felt both of these experiences. So, really want to thank both of you for sharing it here, and I'm sure, like, I did not know how this was going to go. I think it's swimmingly well. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> so, I'm going to do it again at 3.30 this afternoon. I mean, I don't know when someone's actually watching this video, but it's happening twice today. Um, and, um, and And then, in the comments, anybody who's watching, I'm sorry I couldn't figure out how to do it live. I'll keep working on figuring that out. But feel free to drop in any questions that you have for either Carissa or Anton or me. Um, yeah. They're both in the group, so they'll be able to, you know, respond. And if, if you want
2: to DM, you can DM. You don't have to have a, you don't have to have a special request. <laughs>
0: um, thank you for that. And we'll we'll keep this going. Uh, keep an eye out in the group. I'll post once I figured out what next month's topic will be um and recruit more people and um if you have an idea for next month's topic something you really would like for me to bring up then let me know so thank you so so much this was fabulous and bye I don't know I never know how to end things this was the problem when I had a podcast I was like I don't know how to end it
2: so well thank you very much Anton it was nice to meet you
1: yeah nice to meet you too all
2: right good luck (laughs) we need friends. I love it. Okay.
0: Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.